man. Oh, man. It is a Wednesday. I'm Ben Kenny. I'm in for Bill Michaels today. He is Grant Bills. The Milwaukee Brewers showed all of their fans that they do not care about winning. The trade deadline was an abject failure. Grant, how are you doing? That is correct. 100%. You nailed it. Uh, I'm fine, I guess, given everything that's going on with my Brewers. Um, I'm good. Yeah, a little depressed about my team, but good. 877-867-1670. Throwing it out right now. Today is a reaction day. We want to hear from you. How do you feel as a fan of this baseball team? A baseball team that went into the deadline hot after the uh, after the All-Star break. They were rounding into form. They're getting healthier. But as we have talked about for weeks and months, they were still a baseball team and are still a baseball team with pretty significant holes. Center field is not locked down by any means. Second base has been a struggle. Hitting against left-handers has been a struggle. Overall, the lineup and the offense is fine. They lack depth. They lack maybe big pop off the bench where you need it. Not to mention the fact that they go into the deadline. And no, they don't make a big move in the starting rotation. They don't go out and try to create the best pitching staff in baseball and go into the playoffs where they can have four to five frontline starters against whoever they will face in that series. No grant bills. They went into the deadline and I think I can make the argument sitting today that a first place baseball team, what's their record right now? 57 and 45 or whatever. I can make the argument that they were sellers. Yeah. And any Brewers fan that tries to tell you, well, they're, they're actually better. They lost Tater, but they got this, this, this. No, 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 no. And you mentioned the winners of seven of nine coming out of the break. That's what makes this even worse, Ben, is for the whole first half. We've done enough shows together. We were kind of in limbo. You could buy, you could stand pat, maybe sell a Pete. Like we weren't really sure how we felt, but then coming out of the break, oh, you whoop up on the, the Rockies and you sweep the Twins and you go out to Boston and you win some games at Fenway and it feels fun and it's like, this is the team we've been waiting for. And it seems just as it's all coming together and the offense is healthy and Freddie Peralta's coming off the injured list, then they decide to sell. That's what makes this even worse is all of last week I was getting my hopes up. Here we go. Let's attack the trade deadline. And they just pull the rug out from under us. I have, I mean, one big question to start off today is we talked about the hater deal yesterday. We're now nearly 48 hours removed. My thought was, and we'll go into more specifically the guys they got, but my thought is, I mean, why do you do that? Why do you send the message to the clubhouse now that you want to trade someone of that ilk instead of doing it even in the off season when you could still have time going into a year? So the big question with the hater thing now, 48 hours in the past, and I would argue that the answer is yes to this, did their lack of moves yesterday or lack of significant moves make the hater deal even worse? Like oh. if, if we sat here in a scenario where they trade hater and they get back, whatever the reliever, Taylor Rogers, a pitcher that isn't very good. And then a couple prospects that, I mean, we'll see what they do in the world that they do that, but then still come back yesterday during the MLB mm-hmm. trade deadline and sure up their offensive depth make some sort of defensive move. Josh Bell's a big one. Make Mm -hmm. some sort of defensive move in center field. Maybe get some upgrade at second base. If they come back and do that, I'm still confident in this team. But there's an overall message that gets sent to a clubhouse when not only do you not upgrade anywhere, but instead you take a guy that had been your ninth inning guy 
probably the best closer in baseball for years and trade him away. It's a message thing. So, I mean, you kind of answered it already, but did yesterday's lack of real movement and lack of impact moves from David Stearns and company make the hater situation even worse? I say yes. The last two days were miserable. The way everything timed out made it even worse. Like the week leading in said, you even go out to Fenway. We never play at Fenway, Ben. You know, you're an East Coast guy. Have you been to Fenway? I have. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. It felt those games felt bigger. Those wins felt more important. So we're fired up. Right. And then they trade Hater a day before the deadline shocks us. But we have this 24 hour window where we're hoping that they're going to parlay those prospects into something. We think a move is still coming and we're being teased and, and feels like we're, you know, we still have some hope. And then it was made even worse because the Padres still have enough ammo and we got to watch them go get Juan Soto and Josh Bell, right? I, on my show yesterday, I compared it to watching the Packers lose in the playoffs, which hurts. And then you got to come back the next week and watch the team that beat the Packers, which makes it even worse than it was. That's what it felt like losing Hater and then watching the team that gets Hater still have the ammo to go out and get the big prize of the deadline. That, uh, it all sucked. Everything was bad, but the timing and the way everything happened made it even worse. So take me through that timing yesterday because you were on air as the deadline is passing, right? Yeah. I, I, so my show went on until 5.30. So from 5 to 5.30, I'm sitting here basically reacting to nothing. Yep. And I couldn't really plan my show yesterday because I didn't know what was going to happen. From 5 to 5.30, the phones were broken yesterday, so I couldn't take calls. I'm basically sitting here <laughs> telling my listeners. David Stearns' phones were probably bo- broken yeah. too at this point. Maybe that was the issue, yeah. I was sitting here telling my listeners, I don't know what to say. I've never felt like this before. I've felt angry, you know, when my team's losing the playoffs or they make a move I don't like. That's, that's routine. This was different. This felt like my team flipping me the middle finger and their players flipping them the middle finger too. And I've never really experienced that before. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, and I hate to draw that. I'm going to draw this comparison more as we go on. I hate to draw it off the top, but the Philadelphia Phillies are not as good as the Milwaukee Brewers. The record says it. The consistency says it. And they didn't make any big, significant moves. But when you look, they trade for Syndergaard, they trade for a defensive center fielder, and they trade for a bullpen arm. But I can sit here and confidently say today that, that through the last three days, they have made moves to get better. They've at least tried. They've sent the message to the clubhouse that uh, as the GM, Dave Dombrowski, we are going to bring in guys that will help. And then now it's on you in the clubhouse to get it done. I kind of feel the opposite vibe in Milwaukee. And we'll get into what happened last night. 5-3 loss to the Pittsburgh Pirates. An irrational person could look at that and say, oh, 0-1 uh, without hater. The Padres, meanwhile, are 2-0. and And <laughs> baseball just kicked the Brewers fans in the nuts last night with everything that yeah, happened there. We'll get into it. But, I, I mean, the me- it's, it's the message thing for me. And I'm not going to say that they had no energy in Pittsburgh yesterday because that would be unfair. Corbin Burns yeah. just gave up a couple runs. But in general, I don't get how you can invigorate a clubhouse by trading the star closer and not bringing in at least one big name next to it going forward. I've never seen Rocky, as we've talked about. (sighs) Which is a joke. Yeah, I've seen The Dark Knight where the joker, I think the line is, it's not about money, it's about sending a message. The trade deadline (laughs) sometimes isn't about getting this amazing player. Sometimes it's getting a player to shake it up, to give the team a kick in the pants, to give them a vote of confidence, right? Like the Dodgers added Joey Gallo. 
they don't need Joey Gallo. Which he might not do anything, but uh, it's something. It's it's something. I kind of like that move. Of course. Of course, because you could see him going to L.A. and having a couple of huge hits down the stretch and in big moments, pinch hits, maybe not. But if he doesn't, it doesn't really hurt him. I saw our guy Andrew Wagner on Twitter yesterday going at it with a couple people. Oh, so you want the Brewers to just make a move to make a move? Kind of. Yeah, a little bit. Sometimes that's what you need at the trade deadline. At least as a fan, and I mean, listen, what we say, obviously, is not going to be the end-all, be-all with the team, and the moves, the hater moves still could turn out good. I accept that as reality. Taylor Rogers could be great this mm-hmm. season. Denilson Lamette can somehow find form he had two years ago before the injuries. Both of the prospects could turn out. I think those are long shots, but it could happen. But it's, as a fan, when you get behind a baseball team and put all your effort in to watch the games, to go to the games, to have them consistently, and I guess last year, right, they get Eduardo Escobar. They make some moves, but the deadline moves were made earlier in the year with Adamas. But as all of followers of this baseball team to put everything that you already have into it and then for them just to say, yeah, you know, we want to find a way to limp into the playoffs year after year after year and hopefully get lucky one time instead of it's not even maybe the on-field stuff about it. It's the act of bringing somebody in, invigorating a clubhouse and sending a message to your fans that you care because I do get the sense right now and they could say all they want about wanting to prolong the window and all that stuff. Yeah. I kind of get the sense with this team this year, they the front office, the people upstairs, they don't care about winning. And I don't know if that's unfair to say, but that's the feeling I get right now. I don't think it's unfair to make that jump. I mean, they got rid of... It, it, okay, look at this way. With the hater trade, it's one thing to trade your closer. Lots of teams are middling and they have a reliever who's having a great year and they capitalize on that by trading him, right? Like, I I don't know the Marlins, for example, they have one reliever who's having a great year. He's their closer. So they trade him. They capitalize. That's not what this was. Hater wasn't just this great closer and, and this, this high level asset. He had been a franchise cornerstone since like 2017. Like when a team does this and when a team trades a guy away like that, it's more than giving up a good player. It's part of the fabric of their team. It's part of their identity. That sucks. And we've talked about this on Bill's show throughout the summer. I just think it's really terrible karma. If they traded Brandon Woodruff, I'd feel the same way. A guy who's been there forever. Even if you're trading him from a position of depth and you think you're coming out a wash on the other side, like I'm sure David Stearns maybe believes their bullpen is just about the same right now, but you you sell a little bit of your soul when you trade away hater and the players in the locker room feel that yeah and you know who eats up that soul are the baseball gods you go to san diego last night they win the first game while the deadline was happening by a large margin they score a lot and then you go to last night it was a two to two game in the ninth inning josh hater comes in in san diego padre garb for the first time he throws a scoreless ninth with a strikeout and then in the bottom of the ninth, guess who comes up to hit the walk-off home run? None other than Trent Grisham. So, I mean, if you already wanted to see a non-quantifiable thing, which is the karma that will come from this, it's already started. And it just feels like that's not going to end. And that's the irrational part of fandom. But that just feels like something that's going to persist throughout this year and maybe throughout into the future. Like, what happens, and this is something I've thought about since the hater trade, what yeah. happens in that clubhouse when Taylor Rogers blows his first save and he might never do it. Devin Williams yeah. might save every game, which would be great. 
But what happens in the clubhouse if the guy you acquired for Hader that's supposed to be at least 75% of him production-wise, what happens in terms of energy in that clubhouse when Taylor Rogers blows his first save? Because when Hader blows a save, you know the next day he'll get back on the mound and it'll be close to sorted out. There will be a little rough patch, but you still are confident going forward it'll be fine. With Rogers, you can't say that. He's a new guy coming in. I just don't see how this... It can't bring energy to the clubhouse if anything it detracts from it. No. I feel like I'm being pranked. I feel like Bruce fans are being pranked. Honestly, <laughs> I texted I texted you that clip of Josh Hader last night. Think about Yeah, we'll play it. Yeah, yeah. We and we have the sound and we'll get it. But yesterday we hear David Stearns talk about the deadline and trading away Hader. And then Adam McAlvey puts out that video of Devin Williams who looks depressed. Man. I, I can't believe that video exists. I can't believe that's real. I'll play and then that we too. we watch the Brewers lose and the Padres win. And then we get a clip from Josh Hader talking about his new team. And he's saying, well, you know, I, I love it here. They, they want to win a World Series, not just make the playoffs. And I'm, I'm sitting at home last night. I'm like, come on. There's no way this is real. This is too, Ben, this is too pointed. You work in radio, you get it. There has been a soundbite to accompany every step of the last 48 hours. Yep. It's nuts. It, this is unbelievable. I can't believe that this has played out this way. I feel like I'm being pranked. So we're going to hear the Josh Hader thing when we come yeah. back and we'll get to the rest of the clubhouse reaction to the Hader move and to the big moves. David Stearns, uh, Brandon Woodruff, Craig Council, and Devin Williams, as you mentioned. I Both sides, Ben, is going to come out a little bit here. I do find a little bit of irony in some of the things Hader said. And we'll get into that in terms of wanting to win and wanting to, you know, do everything for the World Series. Yeah. That is a guy that has only pitched in save situations and only in the ninth inning and only for one inning in the last couple of years. So when it goes to, you know, going all in to win necessarily, a little bit of irony there. But the real meaning behind it is the San Diego Padres just went ballistic all in to try to win. The Brewers probably took a step or two backwards, and that's the reality that we're living in. Could they still go and do it? Absolutely. But it's one of those days as a fan of the sport, you kind of feel hopeless in a way. Small market, big market, big moves, small moves, all that stuff, but a detraction from the team, and it doesn't feel great going forward. 877-867-1670. Big day of reaction. Your thoughts on the deadline, everything that has happened. When we come back, we're talking about the other moves that were made, the other trades uh, the Brewers got through before the deadline hit, and about the hater thing specifically, because something else is bugging me about the move and about the reaction to it. I'm Ben Kenny. He's Grant Bills. We're in for Bill Michaels today. It's a sad Wednesday, but we're back after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. It's the Bill Michaels Show. Bill, back tomorrow and Friday. And going forward, I'm Ben Kenny. He's Grant Bills. We're in for Bill today. 877-867-1670. The trade deadline has come and gone. Josh Hader's a padre. The Brewers don't do much aside from that. No bats are added to this lineup. We're going to go around the MLB in a bit. Look at 
the rest of the playoff contending teams and what they did, especially those within the National League, to see where the Brewers currently fall. Uh, but Grant, I neglected to mention this in the first hour. Uh, rest in peace to Vin Scully. I uh, sad news coming last night. I was already asleep by this point, but Vin Scully passed away last night at the age of 94. Uh, long time MLB and really all sports broadcaster, but obviously known for being the voice of the Dodgers for 67 years. I mean, when you talk about baseball, his name cannot be omitted from any conversation. I think as someone who is clearly going into a broadcast like medium, not play by play, but something similar, you know, it's one of those things where growing up, I I've always thought about this as my future, but still growing up, you really, I, there are certain voices that kind of lead you through certain sports, certain times, whenever you're watching, whether it's golf, football, baseball, Vin Scully is just one of those voices and those people that kind of made and formed baseball into what it is today, I think is a good way to say it. It's been great to see. There are a lot of clips going around of the terrific stories he would tell while on air and how he would weave them in and out of pitches. But I thought I had to mention that. I mean, sad news. He was 94. He, I mean, he did it until 2016, which is nuts. He was 88 when he logged off and did not miss a step. I mean, he was sharp until the very end. So Sad. These guys are, yeah, not to cut you off. These guys are broadcasting superheroes. They're so good at it. And I go to and from Milwaukee a lot or this weekend, I'm going to be coming to Madison. And on my drive, especially coming back to lacrosse on Sundays, I'll listen to the Brewer game. And even Levering and Grindle, when Bob Euchre isn't doing games for the Brewers, it's amazing how these guys can comfortably sit there for four hours and talk to you and keep you on the hook and keep you engaged when really they're explaining baseball, which isn't that exciting of a sport. Like sometimes it's boring to watch, let alone listen to. So all of these guys who can do baseball on the radio have this talent and have this knack for really keeping people there and and connecting with people. And Vin Scully was obviously the best. I think it's him and Euchre are two brilliant examples of, of people who can talk to people through a microphone like they're sitting in a room with them. And that is an insanely hard thing to do. Uh, and Vin Scully and Euchre certainly have their differences, but Vin Scully, I mean, look at all the, the tweets and the comments last night from people who said, hey, when I went to college or hey, when I was growing up, I listened every night and he felt like a friend. He felt like someone I knew. And that's really hard to do. And Vin Scully was the best at it. Yeah, agree completely. I found one clip that I'm going to play as a, a proper yeah. ode. I mean, he was the way that he went in and out of the pitch by pitch. And this was a TV call but it still works as a radio. And that's what's beautiful about it. So many of the great TV guys we see, especially for local teams, started on radio or at least made their mark on radio. And that's where the true storytelling of a sport like baseball comes from. So this is one, I, this is some years ago, Giants at the Dodgers. Madison Bumgarner is on the bump. Uh, here's a, it's a terrific story. Here it is. You know, Bumgarner tells a story which, in a sense... Remind you of what it takes to be a big league ball player. It's two years ago in spring training, and he and his wife were roping cattle, which is what they do. One one pitch, sinker low, ball two, two and one, and they were startled by a large snake. And Madison thought it was a rattlesnake, so he grabbed an axe 
and he hacked the snake to pieces. But there's something more to the story. 2-1 pitch. Low ball three, three and one. When his wife Allie and an expert field dresser examined what was left of the snake, she found two baby jackrabbits inside pieces of the snake and extracted them. 3-1 pitch to Turner way inside ball four. And after she extracted them a short while later, the Bumgarners noticed that one of the rabbits had moved slightly. It was alive. Well, his wife brought the rabbit back to their apartment. For the next few days, they kept it warm, bottle nursed it, and the rabbit soon was healthy enough that they released it into the wild. And Madison said, just think about how tough that rabbit was. First it gets eaten by a snake, then the snake gets chopped to pieces, then it gets picked up by people and lives. It's all true. Meanwhile, line drive base hit to center by Hendrick, and the Dodgers are in business, first and second and nobody out. So I guess really the morale to the whole story about the rabbit and the snake, you've got to somehow survive, you've got to somehow battle back. There he is, Vince Scully. I mean, just terrific. There are so many videos like that. I urge you, if you can, scroll Twitter. And, I mean, so many of those are getting thrown out there. Similar ilk to that. Just, I mean, terrific. The, I mean, one of the, if not the voices of baseball, really, for the last 70 to 80 years. So he passed away last night at at age 94. Unfortunately, Grant, I, I don't know the best words to properly transition from that to Josh Hader being traded and the deadline of getting cut to bits. Let's talk about the Brewers roster. I let's talk about the Brewers bullpen. There you go. I mentioned when you stepped away for a little bit, the guys they got back for Josh Hader and Taylor Rogers. I'm fine with, I've said he'll be good. He's not Josh Hader. He's going to have some moments where he blows up. How is that accepted in the clubhouse? We shall see. I played the Devin Williams audio, which I don't know if you had previously played, but I, it's interesting. At the end, he says, you know, it's it's weird sometimes. Sometimes you don't get it. I want to win. You can maybe connect that back to Hater going. Yeah. But this whole, like, I, I think a lot of us, uh, we're all ta- trying to talk ourselves into the return for him. A guy like Denilson Lamette, who has a 9.49 ERA this season, who hasn't been good in two years and was hurt in between that time. You can connect some of the struggles to that injury. I said uh, Denilson Lamette was good in 2020. He was great in 2020. And Trevor Rosenthal last pitched in the bigs in 2020. Both of those guys last were effective slash last pitched before Graham Mertz started a football game. And everyone makes jokes about how long Graham Mertz has been there, but there's some perspective for you. It's not yeah. like these guys are out here crushing it. So I, I can't talk myself into all of this return and really moving forward in a positive direction. Like I didn't the Mets not going into the rotation. I tweeted no. this. I'd rather Jason Alexander start games, which I loved that tweet. It tells you way. enough. Made me smile. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the return they got for hater. Uh, I have like two, I have a couple questions I want to ask you. The first question, they tried to get major league help and a supplement for their farm system. So they got a little prospect, little major league help. Should they have gone all in on one or the other to maximize the return? If they want a major league help, they should have gone all major league help. 
only major league health. If they wanted prospects, which, okay, fine too, but go all prospects, get the best prospects you can. I feel like trying to do both, try to get a little prospect, a little major league health, I feel like that damaged the return in both sides of the equation. Do you get what I'm saying? That could be true. I mean, the shame here is they get Gasser, who's the number eight or was the number eight prospect in the Padres system. And then the Padres turn around and trade three of the top five or whatever the math is for Juan Soto. So it's a shame that you do this deal for, you know, one of the more highly touted players in baseball at this point, a high leverage reliever that can shut down an inning or multiple if he wants to. And you don't even get any of the big ticket prospects in the system. I don't think either or maybe had a big impact on that, but just in general, doing a deal with the team and maybe it's good. Maybe the Padres took Soto away from the Cardinals, but I mean, it's destiny. The Padres and Brewers are going to meet in the playoffs and all these guys are going to have a big role. Loser mentality, by the way, because when the Packers lose out on free agents and we get mad because Vikings and Bears fans are like, Oh, you missed that guy. That's what Brewers fans do with the Cardinals. And that's what we make fun of Vikings and Bears fans for. So there's zero win in him not going to the Cardinals. That That's no consolation prize to me. Um, God, makes me mad. Makes I, me very mad. I might try to become the stunt double for the guy who, or the guy in the Packers front office who leaks to the media after every big ticket free agent signs and says yeah. we were in on him. Yeah. The cl- classic Danny Ainge. We almost did it, but we just, you know, came up just short. Uh, well, you mentioned, you know, they were able to go get Soto, the Mariners, for example, the Mariners get Castillo and they're out of the running. I'm not saying that Hader maybe commands as much as Castillo, but the idea that they could add him and then essentially say, oh, we got 24 hours. Now let's go after the big boy. That should not have been able to happen. That makes me really upset. Yep. I, I'm with you. I think a lot also share your opinion. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. If you want to chime in on the deadline, looking around baseball a little bit, and this will obviously come back to the Brewers. The Yankees made that deal for Ben Attendee last week. He was off the board very early. He was never really a guy that we were in on. Yet looking back, him or what they did with the offense, I'd take him every day of the week. At least he could play center field and give you something. The Mariners, as you mentioned, they go all in for Luis Castillo. Uh, a starter with control, I believe. The Tampa Bay Rays trade for David Peralta from the Diamondbacks. That was another bat that, or a glove that could maybe fit in in the Brewers lineup and and field right now. The Yankees they get Scott Efros, a relief pitcher, and another one as well. They also trade for my favorite guy on the market, Frankie Montas, starting pitcher. Yeah. So the Yankees made big moves. The Padres, as we mentioned, they get Hater. Uh, Yankees also grab Lou Trevino from the athletics. Uh, it'll be funny because Lou Trevino will be throwing to Jose Trevino behind the plate. That isn't as good as a Bud Black versus a Black and Decker battery there, but Trevino Trevino will be a funny one. A three team trade sent Trey Mancini, first baseman DH to the Houston Astros. The Orioles got some prospects. The Rays got Jose, Jose Siri, excuse me. The Astros then also traded for Christian Vasquez, the catcher from Boston. The Red Sox kind of were stuck in the middle, but they made move, uh, pretty big moves either way. They trade for Tommy Pham from the Reds. Maybe he could have fit too. I mean, his bat hasn't been great this season, but he's shown it in the past 
the White Sox trade for Jake Diekman from this from the Red Sox. The Cardinals, as I mentioned, they grab Jose Quintana from the Pirates. He's a Brewers killer. You know he's going to factor into the division race. So they bolster right. their pitching staff a good amount. They got Chris Stratton as well from the Pirates. Then you move forward. The Atlanta Braves, they get Robbie Grossman. It's kind of a uh, ever for me. They also grab Jake Odorizzi from the Astros. Also not the biggest move. Astros got Will Smith, left-handed reliever, back in that deal. You move forward, the the Twins. This is such a hard comparison for me because did the Twins go make some big splash? Not really. But you know what they did, Grant? They they tried to get better in the last couple of days. They got Tyler Maley from the Reds. They got closer Jorge Lopez from the Orioles. Their big problem has been pitching, rotation, uh, closing depth, all that stuff. And they went out and they made moves at those spots. Will they all work? Probably not because it's, you know, the Minnesota Twins. But still, like they can easily sell to the fan base and sell to everybody that, hey, look, we're making big moves to try to win. We had holes and we have at least tried to bolster those spots during the deadline. Moving forward quickly uh, before we hit break and come back with more on the deadline. The Blue Jays traded for Anthony Bass, a couple right-handed relievers, uh, Anthony Bass, Zach Pop. Eric Hosmer, after he almost held up the Juan Soto trade, goes to the Boston Red Sox for next to nothing. They're just going to eat the salary. Joey Gallo, interesting, goes to the Dodgers. Probably the prime buy low candidate. Again, would I rather have what the Brewers did, which is nothing, or Joey Gallo? Take Joey Gallo. Just throw a dart at the board and hope it hits. Hope he finds something. There's the Juan Soto blockbuster we talked about. Juan Soto and Josh Bell go to the San Diego Padres. Meanwhile, the Nationals get C.J. Abrams, middle infielder who was already with the big league club. Mackenzie Gore, former top prospect pitcher, currently with the big league club. And then some big-time prospects. Robert Hassel, the number one in their organization. James Wood, an outfielder that the Padres and Nationals love. Jarlin Susana, a right-handed pitching prospect. And then also Luke Voigt. So, Obviously a massive haul back for those guys. But the fact Josh Bell was thrown in there too, kind of insult to the Brewers injury. You remember when I brought this up with the athletics a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. I'm like, hey, try to get Montas. Maybe we can get him to throw in Loriano. That's well, what they what did. The team's doing this. The Nationals did this with Trey Turner too. They're like, we'll give up our best guy. Also take this other good player too. Yep. It's, I don't get it. I mean, it sucks. Um, the Phillies trade for Brandon Marsh, outfield center fielder, big time glove, not much at the plate, but a lot of team control there. I mean, that's a guy that could have fit with the Brewers. Is he hitting the ball? Well, is he a major league hitter at this point? No, Yeah. but is he a probably better hitter than Jonathan Davis? Yeah. And he brings a terrific center field glove and he's under team control until 2027. So hopefully you can fix something in the swing and then move forward with your everyday center fielder. Uh, The Phillies also grabbed David Robertson, relief pitcher from the Cubs. The New York Mets, here's another guy that could have fit in Milwaukee, Darren Ruff from the Giants, a guy that crushes lefties. And if the Brewers need one thing, it's a guy to do that. The Mets now have a DH platoon of Darren Ruff and Daniel Vogelback, two guys that crush one-sided pitchers. Ruff against lefties, Vogelback. in the playoffs. And Vogelback against righties. So they just platoon. Every day they switch off there, and I think that's going to work well. The Reds did trade Brandon Drury, infielder. He also went to the Padres, so the Padres loaded up. 
and then some more smaller moves made as well. Uh, some to note, Whit Merrifield goes to the Toronto Blue Jays from the Royals. Didn't know if he'd be available. That's of note. Yankees grab Harrison Bader from the Cardinals, and that is about it. The Braves also, Rossell Iglesias, closer from the Angels. So I, I don't know. Looking back, eagle-eye view, it sucks. Yeah. yeah. I think you could say that a lot of these teams made an addition and said, well, the very least, it's an extra bat who can hit lefties or an extra bat that can hit righties. Like, these teams did something as a signal to everyone we're going for this. We want to win. We believe in what we're doing. And the Brewers did the opposite. And Stearns might tell us, well, we didn't have an obvious spot to upgrade. You can upgrade anywhere. Any spot could be made better. That's what's frustrating. They could have picked anyone on the market, brought them in, and it would have made total sense. And they didn't. You just teed me up perfectly because there was something that happened in last night's 5-3 to loss to Pittsburgh that I think perfectly shows what this team needs and what they were not able to do, or maybe what they chose to not do during the deadline. I'll tell you what it is when we come back. It's Ben Kenny Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.